Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to Get Your Goat. We're here the day after major news in the NFL. Yesterday, Aaron Rodgers and his situation, first round of the NFL draft. I'm going to recap that right here. Then, I won't do a round two mock draft, but I will take a look at some picks, some teams out there, some good fits in round two, since there were some surprising moves, head-scratching moves to say the least, in last night's draft. LeBron nearing a return, the playoffs solidifying themselves in the NHL, and my top five teams in Major League Baseball. All that going down right here. So let's get into the big get the elephant out of the way, which is Aaron Rodgers not wanting to go back to Green Bay, in which shocked the NFL world, the sports community, turned heads upside down when he said, or he didn't say, but sources reported that he was disgruntled beyond the point to where he did not want to return to Green Bay. It was shocking. My first reaction uh, was when I heard that, that, hey, a deal's going to get done. 49ers, possibly. He's from San Francisco, from the Bay Area. 49ers have some picks, especially the third-round pick. They have some key players they could turn into. I thought maybe a draft could get happen uh, before the number three pick. That was my initial reaction. Then that didn't happen. Uh, the pick went through. It was said that, you know, general manager uh, of the 49ers, John Lynch, said that, of course, you know, we're going to pursue the MVP of the league. But, you know, when we called, it was no point of calling. It was a hard pass. You know, they were going to say no, no matter what, to whatever offer there was. So, of course, Green Bay is going to play hardball on Aaron Rodgers. But guess what? Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be there anymore. He wants out. The wish list is small. The 49ers, who it's not out of this realm, but to me it's unlikely now uh, with their quarterbacks, with Jimmy G, Trey Lance on there, even a facilitated trade. It just doesn't seem right. You have the Broncos, which is an interesting destination. And then the Raiders, which is also an interesting destination. But Aaron Rodgers, from what I hear, does not want to go back to Green Bay. And he said that, or I've heard that, you know, he's got a foot out the door and basically the other foot, you know, legs out the door as well. He doesn't want to return. And it was surprising to me because there's always been... Sources, people saying, you know, he doesn't want to come back uh, or he doesn't like the direction that this team is going. Didn't like their uh, pick last year trading up to get Jordan Love, uh, not getting him wide receiver help. But he hasn't really been vocal. There hasn't been sort of this mic drop moment like we got last night before the draft. And, of course, he'd have to get his revenge on draft day because that's when 
you know, Aaron Rodgers felt like he got screwed when Jordan Love, you know, came in there and he said, you know what, I'm going to get you back and say, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to come back. I don't care what the general manager says. Uh, you know, we're going to get him to stay contract extension. Aaron Rodgers didn't sign the contract extension. So to me, he doesn't want to be there. And to me, he's at the point of his career. He's lost four straight NFC championships. But he's won a Super Bowl. He's in a tough division where he's not even... He's, I shouldn't say he's in a tough division. He's in an easy division in the NFC North for sure. But he's in a difficult, difficult conference... And it's a difficult road to the Super Bowl. Now, of course, every year is difficult. But to me, this year is just shaping up to be even more difficult. Verve Chiefs with 17 games, one of those against the Chiefs. But he, if he wants to reach a Super Bowl again, outside of his division, he's got to go through any one of the NFC West teams who I think could give him trouble. The Cardinals, the Rams... Uh, the Seahawks, uh, 49ers, they have a good defense to stifle him. And then you have the Bucks, who beat them last year at home in a home game, which is what he wanted. And if you win that, then you'll most likely face the Chiefs. So the odds of the Packers winning a Super Bowl, to me, are just astronomically low, especially after what uh, the Bucks did and the offseason resigning everybody and even adding a few pieces uh, the Packers not, you know, going out and trying to compete. To me, the door just seems shut on the Packers. He doesn't need to return to the Packers. He's getting up there. I believe he's, you know, 37, 38. He just hosted Jeopardy. Ratings were very high when he hosted. If he's the one, you know, he could just say, hey, I'm retiring from football. I've won a Super Bowl. I'm a three-time league MVP. Uh, I'm content with where I am. My legacy is set. You know, I wish I could have won another Super Bowl, but, you know, I can say, hey, you know, my team didn't provide the help or enough help. They did provide sufficient help. They've had a great offensive line, top five. They've had a star wide receiver, Devontae. They've had a star uh, running back in Aaron Jones. And even before that, you know, they've had the Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Duo, you know, maybe they've had a middle of a pack defense, but it's enough to make a magical run and do it. They just never had a magical run and did it. So there, of course, there's going to be the blame game pointing. But I think if Aaron were to retire today, I think he'd, no debate, he'd be a top 10 quarterback of all time. I'd leave him out of my top five for the reason that he never won multiple Super Bowls. But I would for sure give him a respect of my top 10. And I think a lot of people would put him in his top 10. Of course, some people think he's top 5 best player on the planet. That's all ludicrous. Uh, that's their opinion. But he doesn't have to return to Green Bay if he doesn't want to. And I hope Green Bay knows that. I hope they know, guess what? You know, Aaron doesn't have to return. He's not like Deshaun was. Before this, where he's 25, 26 years old, it's like, hey, he's under contract, he's young, he's good, he's going to keep on doing this for a while. Aaron Rodgers is not young anymore, he's good, but he's not young. He only has, you know, four more years left. I don't think he's Tom Brady where he has the desire to play till he's 45. So I think the best situation would for Aaron Rodgers 
burn the uniform, burn the green, hang it up if they decide not to trade you. But if you're Green Bay, you might as well trade them. Why not do it uh, like you did to Brett Favre? No quarterback has stayed more than 16 seasons in Green Bay. Brett Favre at 16, Bart Starr at 16, and Aaron Rodgers just finished his 16th, and it doesn't look like he'll be staying for season 17 anytime soon. So that's interesting. I don't think the Broncos can trade for him. It'd have to be a plethora of draft picks. Uh, I believe they still need a quarterback, even with Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Drew Locke. To me, Las Vegas, that would be very interesting with John Gruden down there with Aaron Rodgers, with Darren Waller, with Henry Ruggs. That would be exciting. With Josh Jacobs, with a good offensive line, that would be tantalizing to say the least. That defense needs help, uh, but I don't even think Aaron Rodgers would want to be in uh, Patrick Mahomes' division unless he thinks he is better than Patrick Mahomes and wants to prove that wrong. So a lot can happen. That was definitely a shock, and I'll definitely bring this back up when we talk about the pick that they made. So now I will get into a round one recap in the NFL, what happened yesterday in the draft. So first thing that happened that wasn't a surprise to anybody, Trevor Lawrence was the first overall pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars. We all thought that was going to happen. Uh, touted as the greatest, one of the greatest prospects coming out. Everybody loved him. Uh, that was a no-brainer. Number two, Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU, drafted by the Jets. To me, that wasn't surprising as well as the Jets traded Sam Darnold. Needed a quarterback, and to me, uh, he had a pretty high-ranked position grade to me. He was the second-best quarterback uh, coming out in terms of a standpoint of what he's accomplished in college, what he's done. I know that'll be controversial with Justin Fields, but Zach Wilson is his arm talent, especially his fit with the Jets and Robert Sala, I think will be really Really good. I thought that was a great pick. Some people think it's surprising, but Jets needed a quarterback. I know we say this every other year, Jets need a quarterback, but I think they finally got the one in Zach Wilson because they also got their head coach right in uh, Robert Sala. Then number three was kind of where it all started. We knew the first two picks. But number three, the 49ers, or are we going to trade it for Aaron Rodgers? Are the deal going to get done? Or are we going to go with Mac Jones or Trey Lance? And they went with Trey Lance, which I thought they would have gone with Mac Jones, but I wanted them to pick Trey Lance. I thought Trey Lance was the better prospect. He had the better intangibles. I know he didn't play a lot last year, but guess what? He's undefeated as a starter at North Dakota State. His 2019 season, uh, zero interceptions, uh, 28 touchdowns. And to me, this is great for Kyle Shanahan in terms of decision-making. If he does not turn the ball over, because he's been with Matt Ryan and Jimmy G, who have turned the ball over quite a lot, 
and then opening up the RPOs uh, with Rasheem Mostert and their very fast wide receivers on the outside. This could be an electric offense next year. I think it's a great pick for for the 49ers. Really good. Number four was Kyle Pitts tight end out of Florida. This is where a lot of people thought he was going. Uh, I think he'll fit in well with Florida. I mean, fit in well with uh, Atlanta. Yes, they have an aging Matt Ryan, but their passing attack should be very dangerous with him, who can line up as a wide receiver as well, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. Uh, so they've got a lot going for them in their passing attack. And I think he'll be a great tight end. I don't like the I like the analysis to Darren Waller, but the ones to Travis Kelsey to me that slander needs to stop immediately. Then at number five, Jamar Chase went to the Bengals wide receiver. Uh, I thought this would happen, even though now uh, Penay Suell was there. Joe Burrow needed offensive line help, but you've got to connect your boy. You've got to get your boy, which is what LSU did. They got Joe Burrow's boy in Jamar Chase, who they torched the college football world with. They're hoping to reignite that in Cincinnati. Yes, they still need offensive line help, but you've got rounds two through seven to do that. Uh, you've got the superstar wide receiver, and I think it'll be great production there uh, with Jamar Chase operating as a number one. And then you have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, kind of completing that uh, young wide receiver corpse. Then number six, could have gone with the offensive lineman. Devontae Smith there as well, Jalen Waddell. And they went with Jalen Waddell of Alabama, who's electric, fastest wide receiver to me coming out of a draft. Uh, he's a man, electric punt returner as well. Uh, he's going to open up the field for him. And to me, this, as I've said, will work well with Tua, given that they have... Uh, Will Fuller and Devontae Parker and Gusecki as well. Adding Jalen Waddell, a home run deep uh, ball thrower or deep ball receiver is great for them. Great pick. Then number seven is to me really was disappointed. Not surprising. Uh, disappointment is all. As you know, love me the Detroit Lions. Uh, root for them to do well. Uh, you know, I'm a players, you know, players. I root for players, don't root for teams, but the one team I gravitate to is the Lions. So with Devontae Smith still on the board, Jared Goff needing wide receiver help, having a decent O-line in Frank Ragnew already, uh, Taylor Decker and Jonah Jackson, this was very surprising for me that the Lions went out and got Panay Suel offensive tackle. Yes, he's a great offensive tackle uh, as well. Taylor Decker had an amazing season. Uh, and now they can kind of shift him to right tackle or shift Taylor to right. Whatever you want to do, he played a little guard as well. So he is a, you know, kind of good guy. And I think he'll be great for the Lions. I don't think Jared Goff will get hit as much as Matthew Stafford did in his tenure with the Lions. But to me, this is uh, disappointing uh, because Panay Suel doesn't sell tickets. Uh, he doesn't get the fans hyped up. That's not what an offensive lineman is. 
Uh, now I know you need them. They're essential for your team. But you have Devontae Smith, the best wide receiver. As scouts were saying, you know, the best wide receiver in the draft. Uh, you know, higher rated than some quarterbacks. You know, number three, third best available, I think was the highest. So you have Devontae Smith sitting right there at seven. The electric Heisman winner who torched all defenses this past year with his route running and his ability to separate. And you pass on that. That's shocking. That's disappointing. Because Devontae Smith is the one that sells tickets. Can Jared Goff reignite his, you know, Pro Bowl seasons from a couple years ago with this Heisman winner? We'll never find out. Because the Lions were excited, jumping for joy, that Panay Suel got there and drafted by him. And Devontae Smith, to me, would have a chip on his shoulder. Because to me, he could have been the fourth pick. He could have been the best wide receiver. He could have been ahead of Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, and for sure ahead of Jalen Waddle. So when you had him, you could have had a chip on his shoulder. And to me, that plays even great. Devontae Smith is going to translate well into the NFL. So with Lions passing on that, that hurt. Uh, and to me, if I was Jared Goff, I'd also be hurt too. Because now you're looking at your wide receiver corpse. And if I was Jared Goff, I wouldn't even show up. I'd be like, hey, I'm glad you have this offensive line. You know what? I'm going to audible every time. I'm going to hand it off to my running back. Do I know who their running back is off the top of my head? Oh, DeAndre Swift. I'm going to hand it back off to DeAndre Swift because you invested in this offensive line. And I'm just going to run the football with DeAndre. I'm going to fourth and 15, third and 23. I'm just going to hand it off to DeAndre. I'm glad you got a good offensive line. And guess what? Not only can they pass block, but they can run block. So I'm going to see if DeAndre Swift is that good. And I'm going to audible. And he can carry the rock 30 times a game and see if he's Derrick Henry-esque or not. Because once I get back to snap and throw a ball, I don't know where my receivers are. None of them have the ability to separate. Uh, You want to talk about the bad... New England Patriots and their wide receivers the past couple years, their inability to separate their drops. Take a look at the Lions this coming year, and you will see the same exact thing. The Lions are a pathetic organization. Uh, You cannot talk about the Browns being the Browns or them being a dumpster fire. That truly is the Detroit Lions that starts with the ownership, then it trickles down, to their hirings of Brad Holmes, to me, who will not be a successful general manager, and to me, Dan Campbell, who is the most inept, unqualified head coach to ever coach a football team in his entire life. Now, I will say this, but I will also say he can gain my respect if they win nine football games this year, or eight, eight or nine football games they will have my respect. Do I think they'll win any? No, I think they'll easily go 2-15. and 15. Uh, Now I know there'll be years when they can... Uh, we'll see, because this is a long-term rebuild. So we'll see what happens next year's draft. But we'll also see how good Devontae Smith is. Micah Parsons. 
Patrick Sertan, other areas of need. We'll see how good they are compared to Pinay Suel and how good this run blocking is and pass blocking is. We'll see, Detroit, because right now you are pathetic at the very least and should be disqualified uh, from the NFL from all the terrible decisions and choices you guys have made. Moving on from that, then, and which was another surprising pick right afterwards, and Carolina Panthers have Sean Darnold. They traded Teddy Bridgewater. They could use a quarterback. They could use offensive line help, which they probably would have got Panay well if they fell to him. They thought they were good at wide receiver, but they drafted J.C. Horn cornerback, in which I think will be great. Shutdown corner. Uh, doesn't allow separation at all. He's going to start opposite fast, speedy Dante Jackson, and which is a great fit for the Carolina Panthers. Then the Broncos selected Patrick Sertan, who I thought was the best cornerback in the draft. Uh, they signed Darby and Kyle Fuller, uh, but they went out and just said, we're shutting everybody down this year. Uh, this secondary, I think, will be really scary next year. Patrick Sertan has room to grow. Won't be like Jeff Okuda for the Lions where we threw him in right away and you saw him on Devontae Adams get dusted. Then Heisman winner Devontae Smith fell to number 10 to the Philadelphia Eagles who completed a trade with Dallas to do this. But they drafted their guy uh, who upgrades his team because Travis Fulgham led the team in wide receiving. Alshon Jeffrey not coming back. Uh, as I said, Travis Fulgham and then Jalen Rieger. You need a stud. Jalen Hurts back with his teammate. See how he does. Then you can evaluate him. But no matter Jalen Hurts, no Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith is the man. He's going to be the one to show up and show out in Philadelphia. Very high pick. Fell to number 10. He has a chip on his shoulder. He's going to deliver for the Eagles. He's going to deliver amazing catches week in and week out. Then, in another surprising move, the Chicago Bears traded up from 20 to 11 to draft Justin Fields. Can they develop a quarterback? They showed they could not develop Mitchell Trubisky. It was shown. So they had Nick Foles. They signed Andy Dalton, who said, they're going to be the starting quarterback, and you draft Justin Fields. How long are we going to mentor him? How long are we going to allow him to develop? This is a very interesting pick. Uh, for the Bears, I don't think he'll be the day one starter, but the quarterback competition on that field will be intense. Then it was on to the Penn State uh, alum, Micah Parsons, getting snagged by the Dallas Cowboys on what I thought was a great pick. Uh, terrible defense last year. Micah Parsons fell to them. Great linebacker uh, who can cover, who can rush. That Excellent value at number 12 for Ben Micah Parsons is a man. I think this vast, drastically improves this defense for the Dallas Cowboys. And then what I think is a great home run pick, the Los Angeles Chargers selected Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle around Northwestern. He's going to be the guy that protects your rookie of the year, Justin Herbert, your phenom quarterback. Uh, left tackle, this is huge, uh, who to me is just as good as Panay Suel for the Detroit Lions. 
uh, great value for the Chargers getting him to protect Justin Herbert. Then the Jets traded up from 23 to 14 and got offensive guard Elijah Vera Tucker to protect Zach Wilson, which I think is an excellent investment. Who knows if he falls down to 23? He might, he might not. Uh, but you just go up, you get him, and proved out really good, and I think will help this team a lot. Then the New England Patriots at 15 stayed where they were at and drafted Mac Jones. Wow, there was no trade up for this to happen. Mac Jones fell right into Bill Belichick's lap. Now, this is the test for Bill Belichick right here to see how good of a coach he is. Can he tap into the potential of Mac Jones and see if he is Brady-esque or not? Because Cam Newton's not the guy. Uh, He's no longer the guy after the toll that this game has taken on him. Is Mac Jones the answer now? I don't think he'll be the next Brady. Nobody's going to be the next Brady. But can he be a competent quarterback, you know, with MVP-type seasons in this near future, in the next, you know, three to five years to where he can be taking them to Super Bowls and compete? You know, we'll see. I think he can do it with the Patriots. But it is going to be tough. It's going to be interesting to say the very least. But Mac Jones fell in to the lap of Bill Belichick. And, of course, Bill Belichick's going to take him. Then right after that, which is very surprising, Arizona Cardinals select outside linebacker Zayvon Collins to me. Versatile, strong, he's great. But last year you drafted Isaiah Simmons in a very similar role. Uh, It was very surprising with Caleb Farley, cornerback still on there. My dad talking about Najee Harris all night long. Uh, They could have drafted a wide receiver as well to really just bolster up this great corpse already and add depth there. Uh, But it was very surprising. I scratched my head at that one for sure. But I wasn't able to scratch my head for long because the Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden said, hold my beer when they selected... Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle out of Alabama, and which was very surprising because he's a good right tackle, but uh, he was graded low uh, second round. Uh, so to pick him this high when there were other tackles such as Tevin Jenkins out there uh, and Darisaw and others, to me was very surprising that John Gruden did this. Maybe they saw something that we don't. And maybe he'll be this great offensive tackle, but very, very surprising uh, to say the very least. Then Miami got edge rusher Jalen Phillips, uh, who's dominant, uh, who has a technique down. Uh, They needed help on the defensive end. Uh, Miami hit home runs in this draft with Jalen Waddell and Jalen Phillips. 19, the football team selected Jamin Davis. Yes, their front four is amazing. For a football team, but they needed a quarterback, couldn't get one at 19, didn't want to make a trade. So they got a great linebacker who can go in and solidify this front seven and kind of be the future signal caller there. Then, at number 20, 
the New York Giants selected Kadarius Tony out of Florida, and which was very surprising. When you had an Eli Jamore there, a Terrace Marshall there, and you select Tony, who to me was a late round or was a second round pick. He's a great slot wide receiver. Uh, and we'll see how well he does because this will be a crowded group next year with Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, tight end Evan Ingram. Uh, Daniel Jones does have plenty of people to throw a football to. And then one of my favorite players of the draft, Quiddy Pay, was selected by the Indianapolis Colts. Now, he isn't just my one of my favorite players because he's from Michigan, defensive end, uh, but also his story and also the pressures that he's able to get. He's able to just bull rush you and just make big plays out of the backfield, which is insane. Definitely an edge rusher on a base 4-3 defense. He can play the 3-4, but if he plays the 3-4, he's going to have to have a couple more finesse moves as well. But he can start and be the ultimate steal in this draft class. Love it from the Colts. Then the Titans, I thought, would select a wide receiver because uh, they lost Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys. They need one outside A.J. Brown. Uh, but they said, nope, we're going to go with Caleb Farley. He can't believe he dropped all the way to 22 for us. And with Malcolm Butler gone, Desmond King gone, uh, we know we signed uh, Christian Fulton and Janoris Jenkins, but we need a young gun in there to help us in the future. Then the Vikings at 23 selected Christian Derrissaw, offensive tackle, uh, which I think is great here with Riley Reef leaving. Uh, this fills a hole. Protect Kirk Cousins. Now you can also run the football as well with Dalvin Cook. Uh, this was just a very smart pick there for them. Now a pick that I absolutely love is Najee Harris from Alabama getting selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers because the Steelers needed a running back letting James Conner go. The only running backs on your team were Benny Snell and Kalen Bellage, and those weren't going to get it done. So you go out and get the best running back in the draft to me, Najee Harris, who tore it up at Alabama, who is extremely fast, which just seems faster than Derrick Henry, seems more elusive than Derrick Henry, but he's also big and can truck like Derrick Henry and can juke and stiff arm and can hurdle people. Hurdles a bunch of people. Uh, you just may remember the Notre Dame highlight, but he hurdled like six people last year. Uh, he's insane. His patience, his footwork, it's going to be great for the Steelers. Steelers hit a home run here uh, with an aging Big Ben. Naji is a guy who can run the ball 20 to 30 times a game, put up Derrick Henry-like numbers, take the pressure off of Big Ben, open up play action, and get the throws to one-on-one targets, to Chase Claypool, to Juju Smith-Schuster. This is great for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Love this pick. Love this selection. Najee Harris is the man. Then, not to be outdone, the Jacksonville Jaguars said, hey, we want a running back too. And the Jaguars selected Travis Etienne 
from Clemson, reunite him with Trevor Lawrence, who were there together in college in Clemson, both into the draft, both selected by the same team. So they both get to travel, be day one starters there in Jacksonville. To me, it was surprising because they had James Robinson, who was really good, but Travis Etienne was also very good. Uh, it was definitely more of a receiving threat as well. So we'll see kind of a down usage for both of them. Then the home team of the draft, the Cleveland Browns selected Greg Newsome, which I thought they would. They have Denzel Ward, uh, who was really good. They signed Troy Hills, a great slot corner, but they needed one more corner uh, to play opposite, not in the slot. They got Greg Newsome, who some thought was the best uh, cornerback to me. The other three were top three, but he was the next one uh, from Northwestern. Great pass defender. Uh, he's going to be really good. This Cleveland defense just got a lot better. Then the Baltimore Ravens made a couple of good picks right after that as well. At 27, selecting Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota. Great route runner. Pairing him now with Sammy Watkins and Marquise Hollywood-Brown. To me, you those are three just good wide receivers for Lamar Jackson to be able to throw the football to when he decides not to run it. The New Orleans Saints select Peyton Turner from Houston. I think is a good pick. Uh, they need pass rushers. Uh, Cameron Jordan uh, is getting older, but he's still great. Trey Hendrickson left, almost led the league in sacks last year, was great. Uh, but you need to replace him since you let him leave. So it was very, very crucial. And then with pick 29, you had... The Green Bay Packers were beginning to draft a wide receiver, a Terrace Marshall, and Elijah Moore to help out uh, Aaron Rodgers. Nope, they did not. They selected cornerback Eric Stokes, the biggest head-scratcher of the night, biggest what-the-heck-just-happened moment of the night. They said... Aaron Rodgers, you do not have the last laugh. Yes, we know what we did to you last year. We just know what you did to us a few hours ago saying you're not coming back. But if you think that the man is going to get you any help, you're sadly mistaken. We're selecting Eric Stokes, the worst player selected in round one. A person who could have been selected easily in the third round. I mean, in the third or fourth round. He could have been selected all the way on Saturday. But we're going to go out and pick him in spite of you, Aaron Rodgers, because you don't control us. We have Jair Alexander, one of the best corners in the game. But Stokes, he's going to be right there. We like Stokes. We don't like you, Aaron. We'll get rid of you soon, but it's going to be on our terms, Aaron. Not on your terms. Very surprising to me. They thought... To me, this wasn't even what was best for Green Bay as an organization. I thought, you know, wide receiver, defensive line help, uh, linebacker help, Jeremiah, you know, front seven help. Eric Stokes? This was a stretch. I don't know what they were thinking with that pick. Uh, that solidifies uh, just so much as a terrible organization this team is. 
Then the Buffalo Bills selected Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Great edge rusher. Pass rushing is great, even though, you know, doesn't put up the huge sack numbers he did in college. He helps out the team, the Bills, because when you're going against Patrick Mahomes, you need to be able to put him on the ground. Gregory Rousseau can do it because the Bills weren't able to get to Patrick Mahomes last year in the AFC Championship game. Hobbled up, weren't able to get to him at all. And if you did, look at what the Buccaneers did. That's the thing is to get pressure on him. Even the Dolphins got pressure on him. Even though they lost, they kind of let up on the gas in a regular season game that they had. But if you get pressure on Mahomes, that's what does it. So the Bills know that formula. Draft edge rushers. Draft front seven to get to him. And then Baltimore Ravens were thinking the same thing as Buffalo in what I just said in terms of rushers. And... They selected uh, Jason Owe from Penn State, who's definitely going to do it after they lost a couple in free agency. Matt Judon, Yannick Nguoke. They said, this guy's going to make an impact as a pass rusher. We know what Josh knows. We need to get after Patrick Mahomes. This guy can do it because we just got our wide receiver. Then with the final pick of Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected Joe Tryon, which I thought was very surprising uh, as an edge rusher uh, because you have JPP, you have, uh, what's his name? You just signed Shaq Barrett. So all very surprising. But JPP is getting older uh, as well. He's kind of the, I think, oldest one on the defensive uh, kind of side of the ball. Uh, they're in Indomitian Sioux, maybe Levante David as well. They're kind of the three older ones, and the rest, they have a very young defense. Uh, so to me, maybe he's a rotational piece for JPP, but then also when he leaves, you at least have uh, Joe Tryon. So there you have the round one recap. A lot of teams made a lot of good uh, picks, a few surprising ones. But looking ahead to uh, round two, there are still some very good players on the board. Tevin Jenkins, who I thought would have been a first-round pick offensive tackle from Oklahoma State. I think he'll go early to any team that needs offensive line help. Great, great uh, lineman. Aziz Ojulari, outside linebacker from Georgia. Very explosive. A lot of teams could suit that as well. Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa for Notre Dame, inside linebacker. He can... Uh, level down the linebacker spot, the second level of the field, be a signal caller as well. He's a great pick. Elijah Moore, wide receiver from Ole Miss. Christian Barmore, D-tackle out of Alabama, who is tremendous and fast as well as a D-tackle. Trevon Morrig out of TCU, safety. Terrace Marshall, wide receiver out of LSU. So a lot of big names, but they'll... Most likely all be gone in round two. Uh, so there are plenty of options tonight. A lot of ways that teams can go. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what shakes down in round two and three tonight. When you still have very solid pieces uh, that can be rotational, that can start. Uh, definitely be on the lookout for those. Now, since I talked about that for majority of the time, I will finish with 
kind of blitzing through these next few things. Recapping my picks from Wednesday on the NBA. I was wrong on the Lakers or the Wizards. Thought AD could do it against a lowly Wizards team, but that was not the case at all. And then I was right on the Suns beating the Clippers. Suns clinched a playoff spot uh, behind CP3's Dagger 3, who played tremendous Devin Booker as well. Suns looked legit, and to me that was a good win versus the Clippers to prove me right and prove a lot of people right on a primetime slot in ESPN. Then other big news in the NBA today. LeBron was upgraded to questionable today. His return is near. The King is almost ready to come back. This is needed. LeBron is needed. If he's 95%, you will take a 95% LeBron James. He knows he has to come back. Mavericks closing in on the sixth spot. Lakers, it's more like the Lakers losing grasp on the sixth spot. LeBron knows, hey, there's only 10 games left. I just need to come back. I don't even have to play all 10 games. I just need to win five or six, and my team will be set. I can rest, clinch of the five seed, and then take you know another week off, fully heal that ankle, and then I can play the Nuggets without Jamal Murray, who is the postseason torture of teams. But with LeBron back, this opens things up for the Lakers. Uh, with AD being back, even with AD on the court, LeBron off the court, it shows that LeBron not AD, is the most important player to the Lakers. That was up for debate after AD's tremendous finals and postseason last year. But LeBron is a man. He's the key. He's the cog in this Lakers organization. Uh, It all rides on LeBron. His health, he is more viable. He is more important than Anthony Davis. To any player on any team in the NBA, LeBron is the man. So I'll make a couple of picks tonight. The Trailblazers, Portland Trailblazers versus the Brooklyn Nets. I'm rolling with the Nets. Nets have been rolling. They're trying to lock up that number one seed. It might take till the end of the season, but they are on track to do it with the Nets, even with James Harden out. KD will get it done. Then the Kings and the Lakers. I think the Sacramento Kings will get wiped out by the Lakers tonight. No LeBron or, uh, LeBron or no LeBron, but I think LeBron will be back, even if it's in a restriction. But that'll give them the juice that they need, just having that news that he could be back. He'll just be running around on that court, ankle and all. Los Angeles Lakers will get that win tonight. I'm ready to see the King return on the court. Then the NHL. I was wrong in my pick on the Wild versus Blues. Wild let up on the gas when they could have easily passed Colorado Avalanche for two right now. And the Blues really want that playoff spot. Then the Golden Knights. I was right about that one. Beating the Avalanche. They look good. Mark Stone and company. Mark andre Fleury, to me, is the number one goaltender at least this season over Robin Leonard. Should be that way going into the postseason as well. Last week I talked about the West as the only team that clinched. But now you have a plethora of teams that have clinched. I talked about the West. Three of them has clinched. It looks like the St. Louis Blues 
will be that fourth team in the West with Coyotes dropping out with losses and Blues winning. Then mirroring the West is the Central with three teams that have clinched. The Carolina Hurricanes, Florida Panthers, and Tampa Bay Lightning. But it looks like the battles between the Dallas Stars and the National Predators. It's two points separate those two teams and Blackhawks uh, drifting away. I think we can say bye-bye Blackhawks. Then in the East, my Pittsburgh Penguins with a great win over the Washington Capitals. Any win over Caps is a great win, even with Tom Wilson scoring with 10 seconds left uh, to tie the game up. Jake Gensel with the overtime winner. Kasperi Kapanen looked great last night. Uh, they played as a team. They won that game. They clinched a playoff spot. Even in defeat, the Capitals clinched a playoff spot. Flyers were eliminated that same night. The hated, dirty Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, so it looks like with the Rangers getting shut out by the Islanders, that the Rangers will be the next team eliminated from this East race. And then in the North so far, you only have the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have clinched a spot into look like the number one team in that division. Uh, but you just never know. To me, this North division, this Canadian division, does look like the weakest out of them all. But I will pick a couple of games for tonight on ESPN+. Plus. The first, the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens. I'm picking the Winnipeg Jets. Mark Scheifele looking really good this year. That is all you need to make up for Connor Hellebuck having a down year. And then the Vegas Golden Knights and Arizona Coyotes. As much as I want to pick the Coyotes just for them to stay in playoff contention, to stay within the realm of possibility, they're facing the Golden Knights who have owned them since the inception. And I like the Golden Knights more than the Coyotes at this point in the season. So I have to roll with the Golden Knights. I see the Coyotes just fighting with everything they have left. But their goaltending with Darcy Kemper has failed them their past couple of games with the Sharks. It will fail them again here tonight. Now finally wrapping up, I will tell you my top five teams in Major League Baseball. Number five is the San Francisco Giants. Now I'm shocked they're this high. They're actually tied above, tied for first, actually in first place in the division that hosts the Dodgers and the Padres. They've played really well. They've beat up on the low teams, which you need to do. The Marlins or Rockies. They've also beat up on a semi-solid team like the Phillies. Haven't played the Dodgers yet, but they are not. Hurting themselves. They're doing really good. And if you beat low teams, and guess what? That'll give you the opportunity to win a lot of games. Four was the Oakland A's. Oakland A's had a very long winning streak that was snapped. But they've looked very good against their series of Rays. Beating up on the O's as well. The Twins. I mean, the Athletics were on a very long game winning streak. Uh, and to me, they deserve top five recognition. Number three, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, to me, the most surprising is they've had games postponed, but they are in the zone in this kind of easier division uh, for sure. Uh, 
and they've taken advantage of it. Uh, Merrifield, the fifth grade, they've all are hitting really good right now. Carlos Santana there, uh, Perez, uh, Taylor Lopez, uh, none of them are no joke at all. And Duffy is the man. Dustin Duffy is the man in Kansas City. And I believe number two and number one will stay the same for quite a while. Uh, number two being the San Diego Padres. Uh, Tatis awakening. They're playing really well. Eric Hosmer is hitting the ball really well. Uh, this team is looking really good, even with a 14-12 and 12 record. And number one is the Dodgers, to me, until I see a real losing streak. From them or them in an absolute funk, I think they'll be here every single time. So there you have my MLB top five. Number five, the San Francisco Giants. Number four, the Oakland A's. Number three, the Kansas City Royals. Two, San Diego Padres. And one, the Dodgers. Now this is a relative list. This doesn't really reflect record because there are so many games. So you can't take everything into account when you have different pitchers starting on different days. Uh, a lot of inconsistencies uh, to measure up. It's not like you have the same top five for NBA uh, 11 for a football game. So much more changing parts for baseball. But there are a couple of big games tonight on a Friday night. Eastern Coast, East Coast, you have the Mets and the Phillies. I expect the Mets to win uh, with Marcus Stroman, uh, Francis Lindor. Not playing particularly well, but is just heating up a little bit more. Same with Pete Alonso. He's playing good uh, as well. To me, they get it done over the Phillies with Harper out. And then in the West, you have two of my top five teams. The San Francisco Giants going up against the San Diego Padres. I think the Padres will win because Hugh Darvish is on the mound. He's playing well for them. As I've said, Tatis is awakened. Uh... This team is playing well, both of them. Uh, I think this will be a little great series for them both, but I am rolling with the Padres. There you have it. This has been Get Your Goat. A lot of sports tonight. Rounds two and round three of the NFL draft tonight. Tomorrow, rounds four through seven. More big NBA, NHL, MLB games all throughout this weekend. A lot of sports have a lot more content come Monday. When the draft is over, when we can see highlights that every team has made, more rankings post-draft, this will be great to see everybody, reevaluate everybody. But until then, have a great weekend. Bye, everybody.